Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. Stephanie Carter-Kelly. She's an orthopedic physical therapist who has 30 years of experience. She sees clients one-to-one, teaches group classes, and provides online programs using yoga as the primary intervention for healing chronic musculoskeletal pain. Her mission is to empower other mature women with chronic low back pain to confidently engage in an active lifestyle. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, Stephanie, I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. I would like to introduce Stephanie Carter-Kelly, who I talked to a few weeks ago, and is very intrigued by her story. Um, she practiced orthopedic physical therapy for over 30 years, and she also taught physical therapy, published research, led quality improvement efforts. And then she left the security of academics to start an integrated practice blending yoga with physical therapy. She sees clients one-on-one, teaches group sessions, provides online programs using yoga as a primary intervention for healing chronic musculoskeletal pain. So her mission is a person who's also suffered their own chronic pain. She now considers herself a teacher, guide, and coach on a mission to empower other mature women with chronic low back pain not to be held back and to consistently and confidently engage in active lifestyle. So, Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited you're here. Um, Thank you. It is great, and your insights are excellent. And I just want to start out by saying that in our scientific group, we have a woman in our group by the name of um, Dr. Carter, and she is an oxytocin expert. She is excellent in women's health, and her first point being in our group, she's sort of militant about this, women's health and research has been very overlooked. Is that a fair right. statement? Right. So let, let me just get back to your story. You had a fair amount of chronic pain yourself and your physical therapist. And I'm just curious how it all started for you, how all this whole process started. Yeah. So um, my pain, you know, when I reflect back on my first incident of pain, it was stomach aches as a small child. My mom, you know, reflecting back with her, She's like, yeah, you used to say your stomach dirt. You know, I couldn't even say my S's. So I must have had pain, you know, at three and four years old, my stomach hurt. And, you know, through my teen years, those stomach aches continued. I started having more just body aches. We always attributed it to growing pains. Um, But then when I got into college, I really started having a lot of back pain uh, neck pain and, uh, you know, the stomach pain persisted. I got an IBS diagnosis at one point, but the pain just kept persisting, even though through college, I was learning all about how to take care of someone with pain. It, it wasn't working for me, you know, even after I entered into my physical therapy career, as a young physical therapist, I was doing everything that I was told to do. Uh, you know, I, I specifically went into more continuing education in my master's degree, looking at manual therapy and care of the spine because it was my back and my neck. But again, the pain just for me persisted. I'm sure everything that I did as a physical therapist helped. 
I stayed strong. I stayed flexible. I did all of those things that, you know, I was teaching my own patients, but it continued to persist. And, you know, when I would sort of pause and reflect it, it, it's like, I didn't know where it was coming from. You know, I remember even going into um, psychotherapy or counseling and telling my counselor, I'm like, I just, I don't know where this pain comes from. You know, I, I didn't have a big injury. I didn't do anything that was, um, you know, that could have been I had testing, you know, for more rheumatological diagnoses, nothing, nothing ever showed up. And it was frustrating. Honestly, it was frustrating. So do we ever get the diagnosis of MUS, medically unexplained symptoms? No, I never heard that diagnosis. And honestly, the few times I was not, I didn't go into the medical system actually seeking a lot of help. Because I guess no, I was knowledgeable enough that I, you know, and maybe egotistical and thought I can just take care of myself. <laughs> so I never, you know, I asked a couple of times and never got good answers. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, sort of figure this out. I'm sure if I had persisted, I would have gotten a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, honestly. Well, here's the reason why I mentioned that. So in the family practice literature around 2002, they developed a diagnosis called MUS, medically unexplained symptoms. Hmm. And it's a disastrous diagnosis because you're saying, well, we know you're having pain, at least acknowledge there was pain. And what doctors tend to do, if they can't see something on a test, they say, well, you're just not, you're sort of a wimp. You're not psychologically strong enough. There's nothing there. They just you just have a real negative connotation to quote, not find anything wrong. Right. So MUS at least acknowledged that you were suffering, but here's the deal. So we, you're suffering. We don't know the cause. Good luck. Have a good life. Right. So the reality is when you understand the physiology of pain, it should be MES. Everything is exactly explained by the body being in fight or flight chemistry. Right. Every cell is encompassed. Every cell reacts. You have an inflammatory response, metabolic response. So the term should be MES. The problem with the diagnosis of MUS is it takes away hope. Right. And so which is, we also found out lack of hope is actually inflammatory, makes things worse. So yeah. you're trapped. I'm assuming you saw some, you saw, anyway, you're in pain and nobody's yeah. giving you a way out. That doesn't feel very good. No. And I think something in me never lost hope, honestly something in me never lost hope. And I, 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 so I persisted and it wasn't until after having my first child that I returned to doing yoga because I was so much in pain after having the first child, just the pregnancy and the weakness and the stress of being a new mom, everything was playing into it that I just you know, unrolled my yoga mat and started doing yoga slowly. And I began to feel better. And at that time, I didn't know why, but there was something that told me this was going to be the right pathway for me. And all I knew at that time was that it might be a better way for my body rather than some of the therapeutic exercise and other sort of fitness type of exercises that I had done, yoga was sort of, I just, I kind of just remember, you know, 
coming into, you know, standing with my, my hands, you know, at my heart in that prayer position and just kind of going, Oh, there's something, there's something to this. And I didn't know quite what it was, but that that's what started me on the path of yoga and looking how to integrate yoga. And that was my son just turned 17. So that had to have been 17 years ago that I, you know, sort of something sparked my interest and led me down that path. So I'd like to comment one thing we, you both, you know, now, now know this, and I had sort of the same experience is that the thing about yoga, in addition to being physically what it is, stretching, strengthening, et cetera, it also calms the nervous system. Right. So, and so that's. Which is really interesting as a physical therapist. And it's interesting because I've, um, even reflected because I taught physical therapy for many years. I didn't teach neuro because I taught ortho and I even worked with a faculty once that we were trying to bridge a little bit, but mostly in the motor control, um, motor learning area and not in the autonomic nervous system area. And, right. and so honestly, yoga, you know, they kept talking about all these nervous system calming practices. And I didn't know what they were talking about because I wasn't taught I think I had, you know, maybe a lecture on the autonomic nervous system, and it was probably structure and function from a very basic standpoint and not stress. And so that was really my first um, educate, you know, for myself, education was I need to go learn about stress and I need to understand the physiology of stress. And that's where my eyes kind of went wide open and it connected all of the symptoms that I was having beyond just the pain, right? right? The GI problems. Um, and I had in my twenties panic attacks. I didn't know why, um, you know, so I had a lot of, I had some jaw pain. I had just some, uh, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on once I sort of learned, um, all of the symptoms of chronic poorly managed stress my eyes were wide open. So the physiology was more apparent than to me. So can you explain to the audience um, what the autonomic nervous system is and why it's such a critical factor in chronic disease? Right. So the autonomic nervous system is the system that is, it, it manages all of our internal organs and we're supposed to sort of live in the parasympathetic nervous system where our heart rate is regular, our breathing is regular, our blood pressure is regular, our gastrointestinal system is working well. Um, we're able to sleep well and feel rested when we wake up. That's the parasympathetic nervous system, the part of the nervous system that when we feel safe and not in danger, not in threat, not our bodies aren't, our minds aren't at risk of anything, any trauma, then we can be in this normal default steady state. This And it's mostly regulated by the vagus nerve. The, par the sympathetic nervous system then is what so many people understand and know about as the fight, flight. And we've added on freeze part of the nervous system that some people are there all the time. And I think that's where I was. I didn't really know what resting was until I experienced it a few times in yoga and yoga classes and, and gained a, 
even it, it even took me you know years after i started a yoga practice it was more the meditation and the breathing that brought me into this like relaxed state i didn't even know what it was i think i had lived in sympathetic my whole life so um it's that drive it's that you know your mind races all the time so many of my clients say i can't i can't turn my mind off it races all the time and i was like that you know having insomnia at times so when we live in this sympathetic state or the you know that part of the autonomic nervous system it's as though we're we're using more energy than we have and we have to gain that energy from somewhere else and so our bodies our brains we we start breaking down right yeah and the thing is i'll just i don't want to rant too much but in the medical world i mean a parked car has no symptoms you have to turn the car on so it's a, so physiology is how the body functions and so chronic illness symptoms and diseases are from fight or flight physiology absolutely and so medicine is completely off track we have we actually have essentially no data to support what we do none i mean i would say i would say almost see that unequivocally it's none because you i mean acute disease i think we've taken the acute disease model and right. transferred it to chronic disease so what we do in the acute disease model i think is miraculous i mean it's incredible what we can do acutely to people but it doesn't apply to chronic disease hardly at all which is really interesting. Yeah. And so I, as a researcher, I studied outcomes of physical therapy, specifically orthopedic or musculoskeletal outcomes. And, you know, time after time, article after article, physical therapy, yes, had an effect on patients' pain and function, but not very much. Right. <laughs> you know, and and that's what I was like, wait a minute. I know I'm helping people. I know my profession is wonderful and it's helping people. What are we missing here? And so yoga not only helped me personally, but it helped me really open up this whole area of caring for a person in pain that in physical therapy, we weren't touching. We weren't touching stress and the physiology. We we're just right. kind of rubbing on the surface right, and not going deeper. So I wanted in the second podcast go in more detail about what, what you have to offer some of these insights you're talking about now, but I'd like to just finish this podcast up with how you figured this out on this own and how you're doing now. Yeah. So I think, you know, I noticed benefits from the physical practice of yoga and that's where I really started. I started using my own, um, functional anatomy and kinesiology understanding and using that to pick and choose the yoga that I would use for myself and that I would use for my clients. And it helps along with then talking about and helping them understand how stress was both a physical trigger to pain, you know, physical stressors, but also the emotional and mental stressors, how those were contributing to their pain. So just that understanding was helping me and helping my patients. And then um, I was, it was when I was coming out of the academic institution, actually, I don't think I knew I was yet coming out of it, but it got really, really stressful um, as I had a job that I thought was one thing and some people thought was another thing. And so there was some strain there and trying to figure out how to manage this job or this role that I had at the institution. And I turned to meditation 
um, as a way to manage that mainly because I wasn't sleeping at night. So I'm like, I might as well meditate, you know, got nothing else to do. And, um, it was a, um, a program from sounds true, which I know, you know, sounds true. And it would have been a meditation summit. And so there were 30 different people teaching about their style of meditation and then leading a meditation. So again, as the, uh, as the, um, forever student, I liked learning more about meditation and the benefits of it. And so that gave me a new path for me to go and research myself, but the meditation and the breathing practices really then changed my approach. And I hit those a lot harder than for myself and for my patients. And then I had another, um, trauma in my life. My mother passed away and I had to care for my father and, that was a really stressful time in my life. And so then I turned to psychological counseling and my counselor who um, also now a yoga teacher, she was really, she understood yoga and kind of what I was coming from. And so that helped me go deeper then and start looking for more of those internal stressors. You know, I, I knew I had stress, but the question was why? Why was my sympathetic nervous system on all the time? And so we went a lot deeper and she really encouraged me. It was something I hadn't really thought about much before, but she encouraged me to look back over my early childhood. And something I had avoided looking at was my adoption. So I was adopted as an infant and I didn't, you know, now I understand that, you know, that that was a trauma in my life in the 60s when i was born an infant was separated from their their mother so there was no bonding there was no attachment i spent 18 days in a i think a hospital nursery with even less attachment a lot of crying through a hypnotherapy session i learned that i cried constantly i think for the first 6 months of my life and my mother had kind of hinted at that when I when they got me, you know, into their home that I cried a lot. So now I look at that as I started out with a dysregulated nervous system. Right. And it's so easy now for me to fall back into some of these dysregulated patterns. I have to work very hard to manage the stress in my life and manage my nervous system. So I will say now I know all that. And I know um, lots of little signs of stress that makes me take pause and say, okay, address this now. Like I have daily practices, I have weekly practices, but I also know that sometimes I have to double down on meditation in order to bring my nervous system back into a more peaceful state. You know, the pandemic was really hard. And then we decided to move during the pandemic um, just to kind of come to a, we moved to the country. We were living in in the city and we came to the country. And I thought that was going to be like instantaneous stress relief. Then I forgot about all of the things that come along with moving, (laughs) you know, new community, new, and I just, you know, kind of forward plan and think about what's going to connect me to a new community. So I did take some steps to try to alleviate that stress, but 
I would say since the pandemic, I've kind of felt a resurgence of my own personal pain just because it's been difficult to manage and get the nervous system really back on track. Well, you mentioned a word that's the key word of this entire process is dysregulated because people think stress in terms of some type of psychological construct. And your psyche is one of the inputs that can dysregulate your nervous system. But input. when you say dysregulated, it just means, I mean, the body is an incredible balance. And if you're in the sympathetic state, your nerve conduction increases, your sensitivity to pain increases. Right. So people keep thinking in terms of stress as a psychological construct. And stress is a is your is your threats, but your body's physiological state. Stress is right. not a psychological construct. It's just your right. challenges of staying alive. Life is not our life is not our friend. Right. It's it's a it's a tough world out there. Yeah. And but I do find, and I know this is part of your process, is I I still think it's a wonderful world. You know, I still try to hang on to that optimism. And even though there are lots of negative things that happen and stressors, both physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, now I find myself not cycling down into the darkness, but trying to interrupt the cycle. That's one of the things I talk about with my patients is we need to interrupt the cycle. How do we interrupt it so that you don't keep going down that pathway and really get into a stuck state within your nervous system? Right. So Stephanie, I think, appreciate your story. And we're going to talk about this in a second podcast, which you actually are teaching. But what I find really fascinating about your story, first of all, being a great story that you are doing so much better. And second of all, being traditionally trained in physical therapy. And of course, it's an important modality, but there's so many more dimensions to chronic pain and disease. And you have come upon your version of dealing with that. I mean, everybody does this individually and it's different, but the principles are the same. Right. So your physical therapy background combined with yoga, combined with meditation, combined with other tools, you know, chronic pain is complicated. It's always a multi-pronged approach, which you have happened upon, which is fantastic. And so how do we access your resources? I know you're, we'll talk about this more in the second half, but you are in practice and um, what, how do we access your resources? Yeah, I do a few different things. I work in my small community hospital. You know, it was one way for me to get connected to the community and trying to bring some of this. So I am in Coshocton, Ohio, if anybody wants to come see me there. But um, online, I am stephaniecarterkelly.com. That's my website. I'm on Instagram at, um, you know, at Dr. Dr. Stephanie Carter Kelly. And, you know, messaging me on Instagram, messaging me on Facebook, um, finding the website. I'm, I, my web, my email is info at stephaniecarterkelly.com. So I am, you know, feel free to email contact. I'm, I like making connections first. Um, and I like talking to people to see if this is the right plan if this is you know what I offer you know feels right for I, I only work with women I just feel more comfortable you know I have to maintain the safety that I feel for myself and so working with women online especially uh, just feels better for me so um, and I feel like I can offer women who have you know maybe 40 to 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the older woman, just because 
what I have found, I run an online group and we, when we're like hearted, you know, when we have some of the same life experiences, then it enriches the process of coaching and, and, you know, um, counsel that I provide. So those are the women that I work with right now and the group of people that I want to work with now. Oh, great. Well, Sammy, thank you. And, uh, Great work, and um, we're, we'll do anything we can to help you uh, along that pathway. So thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Stephanie Carter-Kelly, for being on the show today and sharing her story of chronic pain and how it led her to a unique, integrative approach to physical therapy. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.